Welcome to the Dig In Travel Podcast, where travel and other digital professionals level up their marketing skills by listening to the top industry experts. And now, here's your host, Istok Franco, founder of DigInTravel.com, your number one resource for travel, digital, e-commerce, and marketing. Hi, this is Istok, and welcome to episode 25 of the Dig In Travel Podcast. Today, we'll talk about how to understand the changing user behavior with Diego Bruno, UX lead at American Airlines. But before we do, I would like to tell you about two things. First, if you are an airline or travel expert and your job was anyhow affected because of the pandemic, check our airline digital job board where we list all job opportunities. Based on the job board, I can say we can finally see there are better times ahead for our industry. We added more than 20 new airline open opportunities to our board in the past week. So to check them, go to digintrail.com and you'll find jobs in the navigation menu. The second thing I want to tell you about is our Airline Digital Academy. Most of the new opportunities on our job board are some sort of digital roles, data roles, UX roles or ancillary roles. We teach about all of this in our academy. We'll start with the next group of the academy on May 10th, and I can guarantee you it's the best way to get modern airline digital skills. Check digintrail.com academy and you'll find all information, including the testimonials from our past participants there. Now, back to my chat with Diego. Like so many airlines, Diego and his team are focusing now on the new contactless digital experience. The post-booking, day of travel part of the travel journey is becoming the most important part of the whole journey. American Airlines developed a special prepared for their initiative, digital Verify app. So I talked to Diego about how to understand the new user behavior and then develop new digital products and digital solutions during the pandemic. Please enjoy the show. Hi Diego and welcome to the Digging Trail podcast. Hi Istak, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we were just chatted before we started recording. You're based in Texas, so how has the, the last week been compared to <laughs> the whole roller coaster of 2020? Uh, I don't know if it's a sign of how 2021 is going to be compared to 2020. That 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 was kind of a bit I of a <laughs> crazy, exactly. But that was a bit of a, a crazy indicator, uh, if you will. Um, I don't know. It's uh, the, the the weather has completely turned on its head and changed completely. So it's almost feel like uh, last week is is long distant memory. Um, I mean, at at least for me, I, I realize there are still a lot of families that are being hurt here. There are dealing with the aftermath. So. I definitely don't want to downplay kind of how, how, how difficult that has been last week, but I'm, I'm one of the fortunate one. And, and for me, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to, to move on and, and put that behind us. Really challenging. And sometimes we get these reminders about how complicated or how simple life is. Oh, right. yes, yes, definitely. I mean, the, the, this, uh, the, the power outage where we're an eye opener about how much we rely on, on electricity. I mean, um, I'm, I'm happy enough. I have a fireplace, so I was able to keep warm, and and we have a gas stove, so we were able to have uh, warm warm meals. But even even then, our our you know 
electronics is everywhere. So even our, our gas stove, uh, the oven part of it, even though it's gas, uh, you know, you've got, it's a control panel to allow you to turn on the, the oven. So without electricity, there was no control panel. So we didn't have, we weren't able to use the oven part of our, of our gas stove. So it's just like little details like this that are just, uh, uh, yeah, makes you realize how much you rely on, on, on simple things. Basically, we were discussing for a, line, a long time to bring you, uh, bring you on on this podcast. Um, I wanted to talk to you because you are a UX expert. But before we go into details, can you tell me a little bit about your, how does your job as a UX lead at American Airlines look like? What do you do? So I am, I have a, a team of three pro designer that uh, works with me. We, um, we have a, a part here product or portfolio, if you will, that we are, we are responsible of. So, uh, if you think about the customer experience, the digital customer experience from, from start to finish. So from, from kind of planning, booking your trips to really the, the day of travel and, and, um, and, and that sort of experience and the flying, obviously. Um, you know, we, we we're kind of breaking this down is in different portfolio from booking, uh, and purchase and then post purchase, if you will. Um, so my team is focusing more on that post purchase experience, experience from people who've already made a, a booking and who are uh, retrieving that booking to manage uh, their experience. Uh, maybe they want to add a seat and ancillary to even like day of travel. So checking, uh, you know, dropping bags and those kind, those kind of things. And, and obviously, uh, since we're, we're, um, a, a digital UX team, uh, it's really looking after those, uh, digital application that are customer or agent facing, uh, that are being used every day to support those manage and, and day of travel experiences, those, um, those post purchase experiences. So, um, we have different, different objectives, uh, different sub product within those portfolio that we are, we're supporting and obviously, uh, having a team of three, uh, it's, it's a, it's a kind of quite the big experience deal to, uh, to manage. So we're trying to kind of, uh, you know, uh, assign our resources and, and direct our energy toward really the, the biggest pain point that we feel our customers are having in those experiencing and, and try to fix them one at a time. So, um, it's, uh, it's definitely a busy, a busy world. We're, we're not lacking of, uh, customers pain point to try to solve experiences to try to improve, especially in a context like, like this, where we know that people struggle a lot these days. Um, it is, it is, you know, has that sense of, you know, it, it feels rewarding that, you know, you're, you're, you're working on something that really helps people. Very interesting. You said uh, the whole, uh, let's say post booking also day of trial. So you guys work also on this, let's say, the new things that are now, because of the pandemic, uh, popping up in the airline digital customer journey. So like uh, touchless, uh, contactless, let's say check-in, baggage drop, things like that. This is also something that you guys work on? Yes, absolutely. That, that's definitely front and center uh, for, for what we're doing uh, today. If you think about, you know, the, the, the multiple pain points customers, travelers may experience these days. I mean, this is, this is really, uh, number one. So we have this, uh, this initiative that we call prepared for the air, uh, which is, uh, you know, the obvious objective of, of trying to help customers navigate these new restrictions that exist today and that are kind of a bit complicated to make sense of. And, and it's not being helped by the fact that, you know, different countries, 
uh, might have different uh, sets of restrictions and that affects traveler not only at their final destination, but at any destination in their journey, even the connecting point. So it's, it's a lot of additional information that didn't exist today. Travelers now have to consider. So um, for us, it's definitely super important to, uh, to be able to, to assist them in, in, uh, in that new part of their experience. When, when you think like, I mean, I don't know, like a, a year ago, international travel, just these ideas of visas and passports sometimes felt complicated, but I mean, now it feels like so simple. I mean, there's <laughs> complication have, have really increased in, in this area. So yeah, definitely, we're definitely helping out in this and we have different initiatives that we're working on about that. One of the things that you did in the past, so now you're UX lead, but I think in the past, if I'm not mistaken, you were also an UX researcher. And Correct. one area or two areas that I wanted to talk to you today, basically, one is the behavioral science and the second one are biases. But maybe because the context, the change, like you were explaining in travel behavior and how we travel, how we perceive travel and all these new uh, complications, I think has big impact also on our behavior how does it help or uh, where did your uh, fascination with behavioral science come from and how does it help you now to understand these new behaviors so for me ux again it's not something that i that i studied it's something that i kind of fell into i've been working for american Airlines for 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 a few years and, and really when i joined the company i mean i, I don't think ux was even necessarily a, a field that existed but it was something that you know felt intuitive to me. Uh, my background is in uh, customer service. That's how I started at American Airlines. So this kind of direct contact to the to to customers, I think, shaped my career that way. So when when I when I found out about about UX, it really kind of rang true in a way that it kind of reconciled the kind of desire to help the company to deliver product. It's kind of the excitement you have about building an experience. But you know, rather than just thinking about the, the, the business aspect of things like, you know, uh, thinking about the customers, having the customer in mind as well, right? So um, that that's kind of, I guess, this idea of uh, being kind of user-centered was, I felt like, you know, my, my early days as a customer service rep uh, kind of uh, uh, ingrained that in me, if you will. So it's almost feel like behavioral science in a way was like kind of the natural progression I mean, you know, you go through a career like learning new things and new field pops up. Uh, again, when I studied, you know, you could study psychology, but I don't think like you, you had stuff such as behavioral science or cognitive science really that was easily accessible as knowledge, right? So anyway, it's been that sort of progression for me. Like at, at the end of the day, it's trying to, I think when you get, when you start getting interested in understanding what, um, what user uh, thinks, you get to, it's kind of building blocks. Uh, you realize like you, for every question you ask your user to try to understand a bit better what they want, what they need, you realize you, you need to follow up. You have a, another question. It's like it, every answer they give you, gives you a piece of the answer, but at the same time, it, it opens up for 10,000 questions and stuff. And, and I think it's illustrate in our, um, you see those different kind of level where, you know, you, you're going to tell, you're going to see people telling you like, oh, we need to 
need to hear about our user what they want. And then you're going to have some people that are going to tell you, well, yeah, but if you ask them what they want, it's not necessarily what they need. So we now need to really start looking into more uh, what they what they do or what they feel. So again, it's kind of those Russian dolls where you need to kind of dig deep, uh, a bit deeper into into the, the, the user and their psyche almost now at that point. I guess that's what behavioral science is about. It's like um, the, the, the precept really is like, realizing that uh, as people, generally speaking, not just customers, like not drawing a barrier between customers and, and us, it's like we all are irrational in some way. It's like we're, we're systems uh, to function and to make decisions are not always optimal. And, and, and what explains that, for instance, is the multiple cognitive biases that exist out there that, you know, we are conscious of some of the most... Uh, obvious one but not of all of them and that every day we end up making making decisions that you know we we can justify we can explain but truly you know from the outside we you know people will say well, well maybe that didn't make that much that much sense but you know we fool ourselves every day justifying the decision that that we make and i think once you integrate that and and you consider that you know that's just kind of a fact of life, then that, that's where it opens up to the whole, oh, well, yeah, there you go. I mean, we need to kind of uh, find uh, uh, better tools uh, to really uh, get to that level of not just explaining uh, uh, what, what, what people want or trying to make sense of what they say or how they feel, but, but also explain what they do and why they make the decision that they, that they make. Uh, if I can digress a, a little bit longer, um, uh, I wanted to link it uh, to, to one of the previous episodes that actually you had where I, I don't remember her name, but um, you had already uh, uh, a UX researcher, I think, someone who's actually part of your travel academy, right? And I remember listening to that episode and she had a, a great uh, definition for, for UX where and don't quote me on this, but I think the, the, the analogy she was making is like, you know, you, you find problem in data, you look first in your data, and you find some, some aspect of other problem. But, you know, you, you might find a problem in data, but it doesn't explain the, the why, really. And, yeah, and, and that's why. how she was justifying the, the, the use for UX, is that you take that problem, and now you go to the field, and you go to talk to your user to understand the why that can explain that problem you find in your data. And, and to me, I almost feel like behavioral science is... The, the, the next follow-up step is that even as you go and observe people uh, in the field or hear what they have to say, well, you might still come back with a lot of questions as in what you, what you heard or what you saw doesn't necessarily explain everything yet. And that's where, to me, behavioral science is almost that addendum, that, that follow-up step that can help dig deeper and, and kind of find uh, better answers to sometimes some problem that can be more complex and that UX cannot solve alone. I agree with what you said. So, and this is a lot of time challenge, even when we look at the data, because we have a biases on our own, we try to interpret data without understanding it. Then we ask the people, and like you said, they say something, but then they do actually something, uh, something different. I think Stefan Tonke from Harvard, he also contributed to our academy. He said, uh, you know, the focus group, he had a great analogy from the focus group says everybody in the focus group 
for the airline I means sales they want to sell it but then if they can order when they order they will order the cheeseburger you know <laughs> so <laughs> i think it was a great analogy of what you were talking about um, so in terms of research what is or let's say in the last year because obviously a lot of things a lot of behavior changed what was the best piece let's say of insights you got from some of the research uh, that you could then instill into how you built a, a digital product. So one of the example, one of the story that I like that we uh, we we um, we worked on last year um, was so it's it's it was part of the airport um, uh, airport experience and. Uh, again, to, to show again the process of you know finding a problem in the data, we, we were looking at um, uh, the experience at the airport kiosk, right? And the piece of data that we uh, we found out in our kiosk data was that it almost took a minute for uh, users of the kiosk to uh, retrieve their reservation on the kiosk. And that, that didn't, I mean, from, from, you know, from, from our office, away from the airport, <laughs> away from the user, away from the kiosk, you'd be like, how come it can take that long for a user to pull up their booking on a kiosk, like up to a minute in average, uh, meaning like some people probably achieve that faster, other much longer. It's like, no, that, that doesn't feel right. So um, I was like, okay, well, we need to go and, and, and figure it out for ourselves. So, you know. Uh, luckily, our our, um, our office is uh, like ten minutes drive away from uh, Dallas Fort Worth International Airport. So we drove over there, and we just like took clipboard and decided to go and observe for a few hours and take some notes and and come back with some observation. Um, and we we repeated that a, a few times, and you know, like kind of a quick operation, just a couple of people, kind of everyone writing their own observation. And then we'd come back to the office every time and we'd gather our note and we'd write stuff on stickies. We'd put that on a wall and we'd kind of see what are the connections between the observation that we're making to kind of try to boil that down to uh, a few a few insight. And, and that was like, uh, again, that, that's part of this sort of... Uh, uh, part of the work that I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. It's just, it's just like, you know, you start with a small <laughs> problem and, and just you collect all this additional information to try to make sense of it all. And then when all of a sudden you start seeing the picture of that forming, I, I just, I don't know, the feeling is amazing. But yeah, we, we, we came back with like a few powerful insights around um, the fact that, you know, um, it was first. It was an even bigger problem than we we had anticipated. As in the way we were measuring that time for people to retrieve their booking was, you know, from the moment they touch the screen to the moment the booking is being pulled. But as we observed, we realized something that the data would have never told us, which is there is even more time that people spend in front of the kiosk without even touching it, right? <laughs> And, and so that was the first insight. Second insight was like, well, m most of that time is consumed by people looking, looking for that information that's going to help them retrieve the booking. And, and we know airline are, they're, they're, uh, they love their booking confirmation code. Uh, 
but you know they don't make them easily memorable, right? <laughs> I mean, you go and memorize a six-letter code, or even worse, like uh, alphanumeric codes and stuff, right? So, um, you know, I, I mean, said like this, it sounds like duh. I mean, didn't you figure this out before? Um, and I, I think it's always kind of impression that you had, but I mean, it was so much more powerful to be there and, and see that and see the struggle of. Um, you know, people are going through their bags to either pull out some printout and then through the printout trying to figure out what it is that they, that, that they need or going through their, their mobile phone and, and, and all that stuff. And uh, that, that we brought all of that, uh, those observations back, brought that into inside, uh, kind of presented that to, uh, to stakeholders. And, and uh, yeah, that ended up like really resonate a lot, especially as we were telling kind of the story really from that user perspective. And and although we weren't able to record, so have a kind of a video, uh, the, the way we, we 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 told that story was still powerful enough that people related to that. And that's something that even the pandemic, as the pandemic arrived, like kind of made that an even bigger echo chamber, if you will, because now all of a sudden no one wanted to touch a kiosk anymore. Um, so that that's how for us really the the all. Uh, touchless kiosk kind of evolved from that. Like we, we realized we were starting to uh, work on the concept of the touchless kiosk much sooner than the pandemic because this idea of, you know, trying to help people to retrieve their booking meant that we had to find ways to avoid people having to tap, tap, tap on the screen forever just to put up a, a reservation and entering myriad of information. Uh, in, in this case. So that's really kind of was, was uh, one of the, uh, the, the good story I think we, we've had in the past. And in terms of biases, let's say you remember anything that was your personal, but then when you started to see, okay, oh, this is completely different or somebody that came from your department or stakeholders, you have anything in mind? So, I mean, I, I think there it's, it's often, uh, I think the, the, the main culprit is that sort of confirmation bias that, that we, we all kind of culprit of is that we, uh, we, we, even when we see a problem, everyone kind of very quickly uh, think of a solution for it or make assumption about why that could be the case. So confirmation bias is always the number one bias that's, you know, always going to going to be there to uh, to trip us up as as professional of the field in in a way so um so yeah it's it's like like those assumptions that you know six letter code you know that's 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 fine it's just a, a six letter code people will remember that that's kind of easy enough um and i guess that you you kind of see that also in 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 the user that sort of confidence uh, that they have about uh, being able to complete a task easily and then when faced with the task, well, all of a sudden, it's like that confidence level uh, kind of uh, shatter, if you will. So, the, the, yeah, the confidence that they add is, isn't the same uh, any, anymore in this case. In terms of all this airport experience and COVID uh, changes, did you change uh, a way how you go about doing the research? Is it more frequent or is it you do different uh, kind of stuff? Because... I think before what we were mostly doing in the airline world was mostly like, let's say, optimization. So we we know we knew how the process worked and we took one piece and we tried to optimize it to work it better. But now I think with COVID in some areas, it's like we need to rethink it or we, we need to do it differently. 
And I think this requires also different kinds of a re- approach when it comes to uh, research and UX research and user research and also the planning because it's not like just redesigning or optimizing, but also maybe even building some stuff from scratch. Yes, I, 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 can, I can definitely see that. I think that's where, I mean, the, you think about, I think that might be also my interest with behavioral science is that, you know, when you think about the world of UX and how UX came, uh, you know, to kind of uh, improve the, the, web, the web experience is that um, I'm sure like when it started, the, the, the problem seemed difficult to solve but you know, looking back in the field, I mean, when you remember about the web pages, how they were built in the late nineties, I mean, with the experience that we have now, we look back at those pages, it's like, oh man, it would have been so easy to fix all of that mess, the layout, the information architecture was all wrong. The, 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 the color scheme that people were using was just like really weird. So, you know, I mean, the, the, the early problems at least from, from our point of view now, 20 years later, they, they feel easy to solve. But obviously, as you fix those kind of easy problems, you're left with kind of the, the more complicated one to, uh, to resolve. And, and that's where, again, you ask yourself more complicated questions. Maybe to go back more to, to closely to the question that you asked, uh, how we've changed uh, with the pandemic in how we conduct research, but obviously not being able to do like a, a, an in-person sort of test that easily. Um, we've, uh, we've got, we've got those remote testing tools. Uh, so we've made a greater use, uh, of them. Um, so they're, they're great because, you know, that, that still kind of, uh, maintain that contact with, uh, with our user and with our customers. And we can do, um, remote unmoderated tests. So that's where we just, uh, let's say we have a kind of a prototype, an idea, a concept we want to test. And we're just going to kind of upload that prototype with a set of questions or maybe a task, maybe it's a functioning, functional prototype. And it's something that we can, we can put out there within 24 hours. We get tons of people who, uh, who can, who, who conduct that test. And then the next day you can already watch the videos and, and get some, some powerful insight very, very quickly. And, and you can do the same thing in a moderated way so that now you, you have the interviews, but rather than being in-person interview, you're just conducting interviews over Zoom basically. That's, so that's, uh, that's, uh, that's one thing. And, and I guess another, another kind of concept that we, we have implemented as well that we have embraced, um, in the past, uh, in the past year to give us kind of a, a fresher perspective, uh, kind of a help with our process of how do we ask the questions maybe differently? Like if, if we're struggling to find the right solution or if how we iterate solution doesn't necessarily give us the results, like maybe it's the way we ask the question that we, that needs to change. So, We've really embraced the, the design thinking approach, uh, human-centered approach, and, and the way of really kind of collaborating within the team. So it's more kind of a, a, an inside kind of revolution there where, you know, we're, we're trying to, uh, to ask uh, different que- questions, get more participation, making sure we involve uh, different teams very early on and, and get those, those perspectives that helps frame the problem a bit better. And then that usually leads to a, to a better solution. Um, and then, you know, again, with, with uh, additional tools uh, that can enhance that sort of a collaboration experience in a, in a remote world where, you know, having kind of a, a digital whiteboard 
uh, are great tools as well to implement to even improve on your process and all those little things that don't seem to have a they have an impact directly on the user the user won't ever know we use design thinking or we have those whiteboarding those digital whiteboarding tool but that participate really in, in kind of giving us a, a fresher uh, uh, perspective on how to uh, first kind of look into the problems and then uh, find the, the right solution for for those problems um, at the end maybe last question because you sure. said um, you are responsible for the whole post booking so and we talked the whole talk was how to improve the user experience how to understand them but you said you're also in start, uh responsible for this post book uh, post booking upselling ancillary and things like this and this is a very interesting topic obviously for airlines to generate more revenue but how do you as a ux person balance you know on one hand the goal to do more upselling to generate more revenue and on the other hand you know not to let's say worse on the user experience or not to bother the user that much what is your view on uh, on this challenge uh, that that is definitely i mean you, you've nailed it there as in that kind of that, that balancing act that i think any airline has i mean um we are in a business of uh, connecting people right there it is like i mean it's not just a, a say i think at the core like uh, airline definitely have kind of that 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 uh customer uh customer in mind uh so they're very customer centric uh companies if you will like a service provider um and and i probably believe in that even more so because again my background having studied in customer uh, customer service like taking uh bookings on the phone so talking to the, the user and seeing the impact of you know what it means to them to to take those trips and stuff um but you know, at the same time, you know, we, we're here to also make a living, make a profit, um, and and yeah, that's that's kind of um, that's definitely a challenge. Uh, it's a it's a challenge that often being delineated by uh, by teams. You know, teams are more business driven and revenue driven, and other part of the organization are more um, customer customer centric. Uh, so um, I would say, you know, that that's where that's where uh, having greater collaboration early on is definitely kind of um, uh, something that has helped improve. I wouldn't say airline have always been great at that. There was there was a time, especially you know um, at like the, the the early 2000 that that entire decade where uh, especially the, the the U.S. airlines uh, were really struggling with their business model, right? Um, before the pandemic, airlines had, had finally kind of find the, the, the right sweet spot, sweet spot with that business model, and they were able to generate uh, enough profit and um, still uh, and, and still kind of have a decent customer experience. But we had started to see like, hey, we're a bit more stable financially. Now let's refocus on the user again. Um, so we had seen kind of that shift and and that's what has created like kind of a more of an input from our team, for instance, early on in any initiative. Yeah, great summary. Thanks, Diego, for this chat. Uh, it's uh, great to get behind a little bit and understand how people in the field, professionals, how they think, how they think more, let's say, uh, scientifically or trying to 
embed some of more advanced concepts in the things that we do, like uh, design UX. And I hope that we catch up and talk uh, again sometimes in the future. Absolutely, anytime. It was a, it was a pleasure talking to you, Istak, and and uh, yeah, looking forward for for our next chat. Why not? Yeah. Let's let's meet up in in in, in one year or so and see where we are. If we're still in kind of a, oh, it's twenty twenty two. Great. I think I think the start should be better. Thanks, Diego. This podcast is supported by Pros. Are you looking to optimize revenues across revenue management, retail, and distribution? With more than 30 years of experience and a legacy in the airline industry, Pros provides AI-powered solutions that optimize selling in the digital economy. Pros customers, who are leaders in their markets, benefit from decades of data science expertise infused into our industry solutions. If you like this podcast, check out Pros Podcast, The View from 30,000 Feet on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Pros website. Or visit the Resource Center at pros.com to access our special COVID-19 edition webinars and blog posts.